Hello and welcome to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM. This is a show that covers health and well-being through connection to people, people in our community and people beyond who share with us their experiences, their choices and consequences, and regardless of age, their innate wisdom. By discerning and getting a sense of what is transferable from what these guests share, we can choose to apply the relevant aspects in our lives and in our community and develop programs that found a more sustainable, loving and heartfelt way to be with each other, thereby improving our physical and mental health. So we've got another slightly shorter show today due to Tony Dawson covering the cricket live from 10am, but it will be no less jam-packed. This week's show on Stay in the Loop with Lucy is part two of a show highlighting a very specific issue, gender-based violence. I attended the Walk the Talk community walk hosted by the Seroptimist International in Hornsby at the start of the 16 Days of Activism Against Gender Violence campaign. And it was perfectly timed to coincide with White Ribbon Day here in Australia as well. I did a great many interviews on the walk and was unable to play them all on the day. So today we've got a more detailed conversation with the Hornsby Kuringai Shelter, Sir Optimist International, and an interview from a man's point of view, how he's walking the change that he wants to see in the world. Closing out the show, I have a dynamic interview with Zahara, the Deputy Head Prefect at Pimble Ladies College, who spoke to me earlier in the week because their march was in Randwick, so they were unable to do one with me on the day. Just to remind us all of the statistics and why this question is important. Two women are killed every week on average this year. One woman is hospitalized every three hours. And the impact of this on children is enormous and life-changing. The trauma of what they see should never be underestimated. Family violence is everybody's business. This plays out when we see the news coming out of origin that youth suicide is increasing. In fact, it's the highest rate in 10 years. So we have to ask ourselves, what are we not seeing? Why are such such extreme and life-threatening, or dare I I put it out there, life-ending choices becoming more prevalent? Could we be undervaluing the pain of not dealing with hurts and the pictures we have of how life we think life should be? and therefore develop a resilience and perhaps even a denial to keep it going until everything comes crashing down around us. Each of my interviews this morning talks about the importance of community, goes underneath the surface, opens up the conversation. I do hope it's one that we will be able to continue. Rose, thank you for coming out this morning. Um, what, what is, what's brought you here this morning? Um, I have a, well, my friend here brought me here because she posted on Facebook. <laughs> Lovely um, Lucy. Yes. I have a number of friends over the years who have been victims of um, domestic violence. Um, some of them I knew you know, fairly much straight away. Others came on the scene because of, of trauma, um, which displayed as mental health issues, obviously, because it's a heck of a thing. Yes. Um, they are in various stages of, of healing. Um, and so I'm very lucky I have not had that happen to me. But it's, we do need to make it so obvious to people that this, every action has some sort of impact. And if that impact is an adverse impact, then the action has to be stopped. Do you find it interesting that you said just there that you're very lucky it hasn't happened to you? So what that would suggest to me is that you think it's normal, that we as a society have taken it normal, to, that we're lucky not to be hit. Um, it, is, it is an interesting choice of words and you have made me aware of it. But with a number of people that it does happen to, and it happens to males as well as females. Definitely. I don't know what the statistics are, but if I'm one of the... I don't know, what is it, one in five women who, who yep. are abused, then I'm one of the lucky other four who doesn't get abused. Um, and I had a very fortunate and lucky childhood. Um, my parents were very loving and kind. All our neighbours, so far as I, I'm aware, were, were loving and kind to their children, to their spouses. But the publicity now 
um, has made me aware that maybe it wasn't almost privileged childhood that I had and a, you know, a privileged adult life. Um, with young people now, it's important to educate them that violence is not acceptable. It's important to educate everyone that violence is not acceptable. I think a lot of the violence issues come through because of frustrations with lifestyle. A lot of the violence is done because of alcohol and drug issues. That also has to be part of the education to stop the violence. We can't just raise awareness of violence and not actually be yeah. understanding about the causes, yeah. support people at the root cause as opposed to just punish them for the end result. Absolutely. It's, it's like that old story of um, putting the ambulance at the foot of the cliff to pick up the people after they've jumped rather than put the barriers at the top to stop them from jumping. Yeah. So you put in place the, the measures which will help them to, which will help everyone to become aware, to become alert and to become more perhaps caring about each other rather than put band-aids on later. Thank you so much for having the conversation with me. You've gone, you've gone somewhere other people haven't, which I really appreciate. So thank you very much. You're welcome. I'm joined now by Dorothy. We're at the uh, close to the back of the of the Walk the Talk Community Against Violence this morning. It's been a morning of amazing insights by everybody who's here. Everyone's got a different reason. Dorothy, what brings you here this morning? Well, I'm. Um, I'm intensely interested in, in the topic of homelessness and domestic violence and hoping that things will improve in our society. And I was on the steering committee that set up the Hornsby Karingai Women's Shelter and uh, I've continued my association with them being the school liaison person for the shelter to develop awareness about this problem. So you actually go into all the schools um, talking about the, the reason why so many of the women come to the shelter? That's right. Um, I'm always happy to get an invitation to a school to just even do a five-minute talk at, at assembly. And it's amazing the response that we've get, been getting from that. Uh, many of the schools have then decided that they wanted to do a fundraiser. When they learn that this is a community-run shelter and we have a big financial commitment to meet each year to keep it open and keep it running, they all want to do something. And last year, last financial year, um, I don't have the final figures, but it would have been over 20,000 that school children in their combined efforts were able to contribute. Schools are hothouses that have got their own agendas and we're very fortunate if they'll give us that bit of time to speak to the students. They usually do it uh, when it fits in with their curriculum. There might be, say, White Ribbon Day and uh, they'll be having a couple of guest speakers for that or International Women's Day or uh, the Catholic Diocese has been particularly supportive and they have many occasions where they want to promote giving back to the community and helping those in need. Fortunately now there is a curriculum in schools uh, about respectful behaviours and teachers are teaching this subject and having time for those questions. Do you find that the world that we live in now has a new bar for normal compared to what was before. I know we're raising the awareness that domestic violence is even an issue, that it's been going on for a number of years, particularly you know, in rural communities it's probably uh, been talked about less. Do you find that raising the conversation is, uh, is doing good? Oh, absolutely. And I think we are raising the bar as far as expectations go. There are many more categories of behaviour that we would now consider is domestic violence that would not have been considered so previously. And of course in some countries probably still isn't considered that way. Coming home and kicking the dog um, and, and, and verbal abuse 
would not necessarily been put in that category previously. But as, as for the country towns, look, I, I'm really amazed at how with it country people are. There is one area where the school children have a football match each year for White Ribbon Day. And they even, they even have students from the school standing up and telling their stories, which I think is enormously courageous of them especially at their tender age when most people are used to hiding it behind closed doors and I think that having progressed to the stage where we can come out, not be ashamed of it and talk about it shows that we really are making great strides. Thank you so much. Now, if you've got people coming into your shelter who have experienced financial, verbal, physical abuse. Do you have people who offer services to help them understand how to put their lives, how to lead independent lives and use life skills that perhaps have been squashed by that oppressive experience at home? Absolutely. I think that uh, the Hornsby Kringai Women's Shelter should be really proud of the support that it gives the women who, who come in there. And it's only been operating now for about 18 months. And in that time, the focus has been on what else can we do. And anything that can be done to support the women will be done. Uh, this year, a program was developed called Change Your Future, which was aimed at getting those women who have been so downtrodden self-esteem destroyed and have been long-term unemployed, getting them back into the workforce and it, it was a very successful, it is a very successful program. Um, connections were made with um, the local community college who were very happy to tailor courses for the women and some of the women went in a deputation with the leader of this course to the college and I think uh, the principal of the college and, and the leader were very surprised to hear just how qualified some of these women were. In fact, I know one of the women immediately picked up a job out of that conversation. So every effort is made to get these women on their feet and being in a position within about three months to be able to go out and be in a much better place. Thank you very much. I really hope that this raises awareness for the Hornsby Guy Women's Shelter as well. And we'll um, have you maybe come and talk at our International Women's Day event that we'll have on March the 8th in Hornsby. Oh, thank, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm with Dick and Anne, and there is a pooch who is clearly way too exhausted to walk him or herself in your backpack, Dick. Who's, himself. Who's, himself. Sunny Bill. Who are you giving a, a lift to? Sunny Bill. Sunny Bill. Now, clearly, Sunny Bill is here because he also believes in it. Yes. But can you tell me why you're both on this Walk the Talk this morning? Let's start with you. Um, I am a long-term seroptimist and Seroptimist is the organisation which um, first got the Walk the Talk underway in Malaysia and um, it spread around the South um, Asia and the Pacific. So every year on White Ribbon Day we organise these walks. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what the Seroptimists are and what they do? Yeah. Seroptimist is a worldwide organisation of women working for the human rights of women and girls. Um, and you've been a member of them for a very long time? Uh, maybe 18 years. Yes, yeah. And we work through projects locally and nationally and internationally. Um, and the projects are working on the ground and working up, which we have consultative status at the United Nations. And um, it's a very, very, um, it's an active organisation, even though it's small, yeah. 
You have Julie Griffin as part of your team here. Lisa Sir Optimist as well, yes. Going to try and get a little interview with her a little yes. bit later yes. as well. And are you pleased with the turnout this year? Oh, Is it getting nice. bigger each year? It's terrific, yes. What do you hope to raise awareness for this year? Because there's a, there's a theme this year, isn't it? It's, it's community. community against violence against women. And um, it's, it's, remaining a, it's remaining a huge problem and getting bigger. Yeah, and we've got to change community attitudes and work towards gender equality. Because when we have gender equality, we're not going. This problem is not going to be the way it is today. It's it's um, it's it's a factor of yeah. Do you think that the gender equality is part of what feeds this um, the violence? In that, what I think yes. the things I've heard this morning is that yes. people are panicking. That men don't necessarily. They want to have more control. Yes. They're losing control, and they don't yes. actually have the words to explain. Just, just so they just. Yes. But they grow up with often a feeling of almost entitlement that men are superior, and they're the attitudes we have to change. Um, and there are a lot of areas where we have to change things. There's the gender pay gap. Um, you know that are just um, just just. Oh, sorry. Are you editing this? I'll edit it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but just, just, the, just a whole lot of things, workplace equality, um, paid parental leave, all those things, yeah. So in a funny way, it's not about... We've, it's like the difference between equality and equity. We've got to give women a boost because there's been an inequality for such a long period of time but it isn't about putting them above men it's about equality at the end of the day yes yes and you've got to have a little bit of um yes as you say a, a bit of a boost equity i guess is fairness yes and um and we, and it's extraordinary that fairness isn't normal really isn't yes. it yes yeah mm -hmm. thank you very much i really appreciate it what brought you out um, I'm associated, I'm the Vice President of the Hornsby Kooringai Women's Shelter and I have been involved ever since it uh, started and uh, what, brought it, what brought me out was uh, I'm showing the perpetrators of domestic violence should be walking to show that we, uh, we do think about it and care about it and should do be doing something about it. I'm not suggesting I was a perpetrator but I'm suggesting that men of course, are the people who are the perpetrators. There have been a few comments this morning about how few men are on this walk. Yes, and I think that's, uh, that's sad because I think uh, we need a lot more men because it's men who have to change their attitudes to ensure that domestic violence is, uh, is a thing of the past. You see the consequences and obviously work to try and support people in the consequences by working at the women's, by uh, being on the committee and actively working at the Hornsby Kuringai Women's Shelter in, that, in the capacity that you do. Do you find that events, awareness campaigns like this um, see a spike in then what happens further down the line in the community? I can't. I can't comment on that directly, but I'm sure it must. I mean, I was so pleased to see, for example, somebody from the Chinese community here, which I'm sure is now creating awareness in that community about the, uh, about the issue of domestic violence. And I think all, everything that we do creates this awareness, so nothing, nothing can do any harm in that area, I think we've got to have much more of these public awareness. I think Rosie Batty, being the champion of raising public awareness, we've just got to make sure it continues. We do. We can't leave one person to do the work that a community needs to do. Absolutely not. And it's so vital that we, we get it across. And it's very good to see the young people here because... Uh, it's very hard to change attitudes of the older people, but we certainly can get the message across to younger people. And I mean, it it's, it's starts with bullying at school and goes all the way through. And uh, if we can change those attitudes, it'll be a success. The next generation, we hope, will see a, 
a very significant decrease in domestic violence. Would you say that there's an element of it that's about control and losing control and in the fear of losing control the expression comes out as more physical or emotional or financial? Um, of course it's about control. It's about male dominance. Uh, it's, you only have to go back in history to see that men, for some unknown reason, believe they're more dominant than women. It's, it's evident even in today's society where... Women, are, in the majority of cases, are paid less than men, doing exactly the same job. It's, it's just something wrong about the way society perceives women, and that's got to change. Can I ask, what, what was your upbringing that you have such a balanced view of this, that you, don't, you just don't see it that way? Um, I don't know whether it was my upbringing, but certainly my marriage certainly, certainly showed me this. I've been married for 50 years to a woman who is fiercely independent and fiercely uh, believes in human rights. And she, she changed me and changed my attitude. I don't think my parents did, but I think she did. So if, I'm, if anyone is listening to this who thinks, I'm just one, what difference can I do, what would you say to that? Well, I think one voice is the start of a, a total movement. I think it's been proven time and time again uh, that it only needs one person to stand up against... Uh, illegal activities, all of these kind of things, and I think things must change. And, uh, uh, and it's not just one voice. There are, a lot, there are a lot more voices coming out towards this. Politicians, everybody are now coming out and saying, this is not right. It's not right at all to treat women the way that a lot of men treat women. Well, I think the scary, there is a scary statistic with the shelter. Now, since the shelter opened, I think we've been able to help over, well over 100 women. But in that period of time, we have had to say, no, we can't help and try and find alternative accommodation for over 300 women. So it just shows the need for a shelter in, in Hornsby. Yeah. And by the way... Might I just add here that the public community support for the shelter has been overwhelming and it does show that people do believe in this wonderful cause of helping women back to a normal uh, life. Well, Triple H are real supporters of the Hornsby Women's Guy Shelter. We just held a, a golf day and gave some funds for, for them through that and always willing to support in any way we can. So thank you for doing your interview with us today. You. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. Welcome back. I'm with Graham this morning, who unfortunately couldn't do the walk this morning because he broke his foot yesterday. Yeah, I was hoping to come along. My wife and um, both my sons and daughter did the walk, and I would have, but dropping a cupboard on my toe stopped me from doing it. Ouch. I possibly have interviewed your, your wife and son and daughter. Um, it's clearly a family affair. Do you, do you feel that it's really about family and community and re-educating about what's normal? It's very much so. We want our, well, both our, all of our children, but particularly our sons, to know that this is what life's about. It's certainly not about violence. It's about inclusiveness, and it's fantastic to see the turnout. I was amazed at the number of people here. Yeah. And do you feel that the, the next generation, the generation who, who have the opportunity to grow up and show a different way to, to maybe a, a generation that's thought of this as relatively normal, dare I say it? Yeah, definitely an opportunity because it, it wasn't really spoken about when I was younger. We, I was lucky to grow up in a household where it was very, a very loving relationship between mum and dad. Um, but it's obviously not the case everywhere, unfortunately. So for our children to see, you know, to actually talk about it, like mental health, if you don't talk about it, no one knows about it, it's a secret, kept, um, kept inside behind closed doors. So I think it's a great opportunity for our kids to be educated and be aware of, of the wrong. 
Thank you so much, Graham. No I wish you a swift recovery with your foot. Thanks very much, Lucy. So I'm talking to Chris from the Community Migrant Resource Centre. They have a stall here in Hornsby. Can you tell me what you do? Uh, yes, uh, the CMRC uh, for short. Uh, we are funded by the federal government to uh, do settlement and referral services to new migrants and refugees uh, who are permanent residents. Um, but if anybody comes to us uh, from the culturally and linguistically diverse communities uh, for help, we will certainly try to help them. Uh, we do mainly casework and settlement services, so uh, the funding we get is to actually help new migrants under five years who are in Australia, less than five years, to try and settle in the Australian in Australian society as positively as possible. So whatever they need, whether it is English language skills, whether it's uh, employment assistance, whether it is to help them with other things like document assistance, um, citizenship classes, um, a vast array of uh, range of uh, areas, including we also have various women's groups and other groups that we run for the migrants, but it all depends on what they would like, uh, of course, within our funding regulations. Do you always look for volunteers? We do encourage people to volunteer. Uh, again, I would say it is depending on what area they're interested in, but we um, encourage people to volunteer because we feel that that is another way that we can give back to Australian society as well. The, the people who, are, who come here, it's a good start to have a give and take situation. So we always encourage, because that's one of the very positive things in Australian society, is that a lot of people give off their time voluntarily to help others. So I think that's a good thing for new migrants. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. Welcome back. Now, my last interview of the day is with Zahara a dynamo deputy head prefect. She's been an active public speaker and gave me an interview about her thoughts on the importance of White Ribbon Day and addressing the issue of gender violence. Welcome, Zahara, to Stay in the Loop with Lucy. It's beautiful to have this opportunity to talk with you. Hi, thank you for having me here. Now, you are very active. You're 17 years old. You are a leader in a private school you have achieved an incredible amount in a very short space of time and you have a number of passions about changing the way the world is to the way you know it should be which from what I have understood about you is more heart-centered and more loving would that be correct yes definitely where did that passion and fire start for you the passion I have for, you know, looking at society and seeing what we can change and what we can make better started in Year 10 when I was part of a scholars program where we kind of had free reign to do whatever we wanted on issues that we felt really strongly about. And it was just researching what our society was about and how we could, you know, make it better and learning about the issue of domestic violence and feminism and seeing all those brutal statistics and horrible stories and then seeing how little people actually actively contributed to the issue, that kind of lit a fire in me and I was like, look, I have a voice. I'm in an amazing school who will allow me to, you know, actually make a contribution and spread this issue to other girls and other teachers and their families in this community. And, yeah, it just kind of spiralled from there, and that's when I started to really focus my attentions on how I could make a change. One of the projects that you're working on primarily is a domestic violence mm -hmm. project. Can you tell me what you've discovered, what the stepping stones were? Um, well, I found with domestic violence, the thing is that everyone is so aware of it. You know, you can almost get every person to say a story about what they've heard in the news or some kind of statistic about domestic violence. But then when you push a little bit further, you find that that's all a lot of people have done and know about. And I just feel 
that people sometimes think that it's such a big societal issue because, you know, domestic violence is really a product of how society thinks and acts towards women, that many people just step back and say, this isn't a problem for me, you know, I'm just going to let other people deal with it. And I think the thing with domestic violence is that is so not the case. That is something where everyone can step forward and make a difference no matter how small, because it starts with changing how people think and view women and their attitudes towards them. So I kind of, the stepping stones I found was really making people think about what their role was in this issue and how if you don't take a stand and make a difference, you're just a bystander. And then after you kind of make people realise that, it was how then can we increase people's participation? And that's then, you know, with um, make hosting events and, you know, getting involved with organisations and really what, you know, politicians and people who are public voices for domestic violence really getting involved in what they're doing with society and how they're pushing domestic violence to the forefront of what our society is aware about and really making changes. So domestic violence, it, it covers many different areas, not just the physical mm-hmm. bruises, does yeah. it? And what you've touched on there is that our attitudes in society is reflected in the levels of domestic violence yes. that we see, the yeah. statistics. So the way we speak to each other and the way we speak about each other actually has an effect. Yes. Do you find that it's... it's um, probably easy or normal to just let comments slide, to let, you know, just jokes go when they're actually incredibly derogatory to women. Yeah, so I find, you know, because if you do kind of tell someone who's made that comment, hey, that's not really okay, they kind of turn it back on you and be like, oh, why are you so worked up about this? It was just like a joke. It was a passing comment. I don't really mean that. And I don't think people really understand that it's just like the build-up of those comments and just the way we kind of accept it that makes not only it ingrained in people's minds and makes them like start on that steps towards becoming an abuser, but it also then tells women and people who are suffering that, oh, actually, like, no one really cares, like, I deserve to be treated like that. So it really works twofold in a sort of sense. Very, very astute observation. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It does. It works twofold because, one, it tells you society thinks that that's okay and me speaking out is uh, the not okay, whereas actually it's the other way around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So do you see that people in positions of influence have a real responsibility to be the ones that actually lead the way in any appropriate ways to speak. Yeah, I think everyone, no matter what we say about, you know, politicians and people who are in the media, they have such enormous influences on our lives. And if everyone sees that these are what the leading people in our country and our world are saying, that's just a catalyst for everyone else to start examining how they think and how they act. So I think it's really important that people who have that influence, you know, use their voice to, you know, make their opinions known on issues, not only just domestic violence, but, you know, a whole range of issues and really inspire others to start making changes as well. There's a real focus on role models. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed a lot of role models who talk a really good talk but don't necessarily walk yeah. it themselves. Yeah. And perhaps that's what young people see is, I hear you telling me that alcohol is really bad for me, but you, you, keep, you, know, you yeah. keep guzzling it or um, you keep celebrating it or you say that I shouldn't use those words, but when you lose your cool, those are the words you go to. Yeah. If I don't do what you're telling me to do, you use that on me. Yeah. So... How hard is it for a young person to be the change they want to see in the world? Yeah, I think it's really hard when you, as a young person, you see adults and you think they're the ones who are supposed to be making a difference and they're not. And that's just so demoralising because then you feel that 
you know, if people who are actually, you know, have, like, gone through all this education and have such influence aren't doing anything and aren't helping, like, how am I, as a young person, able to help? And I think that's why it's so important to surround yourself with really strong mentors and, you know, really pay attention to the few positive role models that are actually making a difference. And, yeah, surround yourself with those people and that's what's going to inspire you to really stand up and take, make a change. Have you noticed that there are some very strong women who get quite a bad rap for mm-hmm. being strong and standing yeah. up? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think everyone can say, no matter how much certain people deny in, you know, the US election, Hillary Clinton, such an amazing strong woman and woman, and that's what people used to attack her when it should be, you know, a strength. It should be this shining light for all women and indeed all men out there to see that, you know, females are intelligent, they're strong, they are worthy of leading a country. And it's just so sad to see what men can do women do the same and then just get beaten down for that there needs to be a gender neutrality Mm -hmm. doesn't there when it comes to politics Mm -hmm. because if we are constantly saying it's a woman we need to we need to you know have the first woman president then we're not actually uh being discerning about her background or you know her policies and same if you're employing the first hispanic president or you know we're defining people by a country or a gender or sexuality as opposed to the policies and how they can represent us what was quite scary for me in donald trump being elected was his way of making abuse normal that's what really struck me i i thought that his ability to talk honestly was refreshing actually i did like that i disliked intensely his abuse i disliked his lying and his saying something enough that it was taken as truth that's scary and that's something that i see in politics a lot Again, do you think that there is a call now for for um, politicians to change the way they behave and that they're in a massive state of flux because of the shock, but also that they're realising that people are asking for something more genuine and genuinely genuine, not fake genuine? Yeah, I think everyone with the shock of the recent election, everyone's starting to realise that the whole political landscape is changing and I think it's you know with the rise of social media and even just instant news and the fact that your approval ratings can turn so drastically in such a short amount of time I think people are definitely realizing that this is the time where we need to look towards people who are actually telling the truth and seem to be following through on their words. On the other hand then it does lead to rise of people like Trump who make abuse so normal and then make their supporters say, yep, what he's saying is fine. And I think that's almost the more horrific thing, that it's not just one person spouting off this abuse, it's that millions of people are being like, yeah, that's cool, I'm still going to elect him as, you know, president of one of the most powerful countries in the world. What I've noticed is that for women in oppressive relationships... That's given voice to the man to go, I knew I was okay to have this power. You just, you know, you just know your place. It's, it's given rise and given voice to something. And because that person has been voted in, you almost think, what's the point? I think, yeah, it was kind of a validation for a lot of those people who do think it's okay to hurt other people and belittle them and pull them down but yeah it's okay to say these things and I think that's going to be something that we're going to have to work really hard to overturn you know all this progress that we've made as a society has you know been set back a lot of steps and you can see that in the reactions of those people in the U.S. when now they're so afraid for their children and for themselves and for their own safety and yeah I think it's very shocking and very scary and now as a society it's even more urgent for us to really make a difference and take a stand and add our voice to the people who are fighting for the equality of everyone 
we live on the uh, uh, we're in an area here on the North Shore very affluent um, you wouldn't imagine that we had domestic violence issues and again we're talking financial verbal physical no, you know not just uh, not just the physical but actually the, the financial and the verbal is quite prevalent up mm -hmm. here um, it's really it, it's, it really shows how under the surface it is and how you can put on this front and things not be so good underneath um, do you think the people and it can be the woman that's the abuser do you think the person on the receiving end of that abuse is aware of the image being um, dangerously powerful yeah, I think it's such a problem in areas like this because, you know, we do have that image of having it all together and we just have this sort of like perfect life. And I think it's kind of the stigma and the shame that, which there shouldn't be at all, but for victims to come forward and ask for help, there's just so much, you know, embarrassment and shame of being like, yeah, I was a victim in an abusive relationship. And I think that that's what my work is at my school has been it's about you know opening up that communication and trust with you know within the school community and within your family and friends to be like yes maybe we're supposed to have it all together we're not supposed to you know be in families where there's domestic violence I think that that's what I was trying to do was kind of make like make it seem that it's not a taboo subject to talk about that you can bring it up and you can ask for help and no one's going to judge you and be like oh she should have had it all together or something that having it all together is the 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 bit that kills us all mm -hmm. of us doesn't it really yeah. because we have to allow ourselves to not to be um, vulnerable to be fragile to be wrong yeah. uh, as adults i think it's crucial that we own that we can be wrong and we allow that we allow the process of working it through to be something that a young person sees because then they see that they don't need to be perfect. Yeah. I would guess that bringing understanding to the conversation means that we don't judge quite so much and I can't imagine that someone who fell in love with a woman who desperately wants to be loved or fell in love with a man who desperately wants to be loved I can't imagine that they ever saw that they would be that person. So it's both sides that need the help and the love and the understanding, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, actually, that's one of the big things. It's not about just supporting the victim, even though that should be one of the priorities. It's also about rehabilitating the abusers because, as I said before, it's a mindset. It's this culture we have in our society and just by, like, stopping that relationship, you're not going to change that person. And that's why, I th like, that's why we have stuff like the domestic violence register, because it's so apparent that there are many abusers who will repeatedly get into many different relationships and abuse their victims. And that's why I think we need to focus a lot of our energies on not just, you know, helping people who have been in these relationships, but actually stopping it in the first place. And that's almost the harder thing to do because that's really changing how people think and how they need to treat their partners with respect. It's a societal shift about yeah. relationships, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's a slow and steady change. And the funny thing is that as we do become more aware and as we implement more things, we're going to get a lot more cases. We're going to get a lot more people speaking up. And that can be incredibly discouraging if you see statistics rising. But I think that's, you know, we need to accept that, you know, now because we're making that conversation really open and, you know, really safe for people to come up and speak about it, we're going to see that rise in reports. And then hopefully after we ride this wave, then it will start to go down. I would like to promote a level and a building of self-care and self-love because I wonder if on so many levels we've become used to a level of normal that actually isn't normal mm -hmm. so someone in an abusive relationship wouldn't necessarily know it was abusive until they meet someone who treats them a different way and then they go wow mm -hmm. what's that so you need to have 
a comparison in a way or a reflection in your life that says that's not normal. But it can start, if we don't have that reflection, it can start by actually trying to be more gentle and tender with ourselves. Have you had any experience of of that in your life? Um, well, I suppose, like, we've always been told at school that you can't look after other people and treat other people well if you don't know how to do that to yourself. And I think, yeah, like, not on the level that obviously we're talking about, but definitely just, you know, as a senior student with HSC and everything coming up and wanting to do the best that I can, that means I have to treat myself the best way that I can as well. And I suppose for me that's, you know, doing stuff that I love, like actually, you know, setting time for stuff that isn't going to, you know, contribute to anything else except my own happiness. And I think if everyone starts with a bit of self-love and, you know, gets used to treating themselves with respect, that will kind of spread to everyone else and then you can better treat other people with, you know, respect and compassion. What do you have coming up that I mean, I know that you've got White Ribbon Day. So yeah. you know, what are you going? To, what are you going to do for White Ribbon Day this year? Um, so this year it's kind of annoying because we do have assessments on White Ribbon Day, but I'm very lucky because on the actual Friday when it's held, I am free, mm. <laughs> and so we are actually taking a group of students to Randwick to march in the White Ribbon March, and you know, listen to the speeches and become a part of that movement and our school is also holding a white ribbon assembly where we have two guest speakers to come and talk to the girls and like having people who have personal experiences and have been fighting so hard against domestic violence to talk to you know over a thousand girls it's amazing and it's I hope it's going to be really inspiring for everyone to you know think about this issue and where they can contribute no matter how small it may be. Personal body experience and speaking from your body is is very powerful isn't mm-hmm. it? It actually someone who speaks on a subject that they care about passionately and that they've lived that's a truth mm-hmm. that's that could be a PhD in itself mm-hmm. you know it's you don't need letters after your name to say I know that this is wrong I love the fact that you have a voice at 17 that has a wisdom that, you know, I think many people would say, wow, it's beyond your years. But you're just speaking from your heart and saying, I know this is not right. We, I know we're a much more loving race than we're living. Yeah, definitely. I think and I just because I do a bit of public speaking and I think the best speech I ever made was about domestic violence because I think it was coming at a time where it was it was actually it was after the Oscars right and you know all everyone could talk about afterwards was you know Leo finally won his Oscar like good for him and I remember being like but we literally had the Vice President of the United States and Lady Gaga and 50 survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence get up there and sing this beautiful, powerful, moving song about, you know, the impact it has. And no one was talking about that at all. And it made me really fired up. And I was like, this is not okay. And so I think the best speech I ever made was about that and about what we need to actively do instead of say for domestic violence. And, you know, that was reflected. And I think when people speak from the heart about what they're interested in and what they're passionate about, no matter what it is, that will get people to listen more than anything else can because, you know, humans can recognise when people are being genuine. And I think, you know, that's something we need in our society, more people speaking from their heart about what they care about. Zahara, (laughs) what better place to end the interview. Thank you very much for interviewing with me. We uh, stand the loop with Lucy is all the better on a Sunday morning because you have just... (laughs) Uh, graced us with your company. Thank you so much and I look forward to catching up with you further. Thank you so much for having me, yes. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. Welcome back. 
If you're slightly bamboozled by the volume of different numbers to call and you don't really know where to start, the Family Referral Service is a really good place. They can link you with services to help you with um, issues like domestic violence, drug and alcohol issues, financial assistance, counselling and mediation, uh, child and parenting programs, youth support, housing and accommodation, mental health support and a whole load of other services. They provide free interpreters and have links to culturally sensitive services where appropriate. Now the number for our local family referral service is 1-800-066-757. You are listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. Coming up next, we have Tony Dawson covering the cricket for the afternoon. Another great opportunity getting Triple H Community Radio out into the community itself and reporting back. Now, next week, we are going to have something completely different. I'm interviewing a band I met at Hornsby Mall when they were busking. I always um, think that people who busk have enormous courage to go out there and do their thing. And these men were creating really quite a serious vibe out there it was very cool and they were having such fun doing it now they're called summertime and they will be my guests in the studio next week and that will be my final show before the christmas break i'll be back with a whole range of programs starting towards the end of january now don't forget never be defined by a problem you have I often say this about behaviours and illnesses, but the same applies to our gender, our nationality, our ethnicity and our religion. We're all exactly the same inside. We all have a heart that on looking at it, you can't determine who it comes from. Remember that regardless of what has happened or is happening in your life, you are and always will be you and you are amazing. Just as you would think that baby, that newborn baby is completely amazing. Just because you have a bigger body, it really doesn't mean that you are any less amazing. The key is to reconnect to that space and learn to build a relationship with you and your body so that you can recognize when your body's trying to tell you something is not quite right. Then seek support for the, from the appropriate service, be that mental or physical health. Look for the support in the community. It is there. There are lots of contacts throughout my website, so please make a point of of checking out some of the resources that I've listed there. The podcast for today's show will be available through the Stay in the Loop with Lucy website and on SoundCloud. And if you want to get updates, then remember to like the Stay in the Loop with Lucy Facebook page, and I will always post a link on there when a new show is available. Links to all those spaces are available through the Triple H program page as well. Till next week's show, remember to take a moment to look after you. Connect with the amazing people in our community. Be kind, be caring, be love, be all of you. You've been listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM.